those priorities around finance, money, cash flow, um, getting the business in, getting the work delivered. And so there's less capacity or resources to think about employee well-being. Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders and business owners with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. As a consultancy, we're here to help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you would like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive uh, and welcome to a, a new series that I've entitled HR Challenges Faced by SMEs. And uh, I'll be talking to a number of HR professionals over the next uh, couple of weeks uh, that are going to provide you with, with insights and pragmatic solutions to really help you uh, with HR challenges you may be facing right now. And today, I do have the, the great pleasure of uh, Lucy Fitzgerald. Uh, good to meet you. Good, good afternoon, Lucy. Good afternoon, Julian. Thank you very much for inviting me today to chat with you. Yep, pleased to see you. And uh, I know you're recovering from that horrible thing called COVID. Uh, and I'm glad you're, you're here today. <laughs> That's great. Um, so you are you are the CEO and founder of Fitzgerald HR, a, yeah. a full service HR consultancy helping employers to recruit, manage, develop, and retain great people. And you've got over twenty years of experience in all areas of HR, including strategic planning and troubleshooting, employment law, ta- talent management, coaching, and advising. And, and today we're going to be exploring why leaders or why business owners should care about their people. Sounds a real obvious thing to think about, but uh, it's a thing to, to really to grapple with that. But before we go into that conversation, um, I want to ask you, uh, what do you love about what you do, Lucy? Because yeah, I, I mean, technically I do two things. I, I do HR and deliver HR to um, clients and companies who work with us. And then I also run my own business. So I'm very lucky because I've got I've got the two things that I do and I love both of them. Um, mostly I just love the variety. I, I really, really like to be challenged. And as anyone who runs a business will know, it's very challenging. There's always, you're always having to learn, figure out something new. And I, I like that. I get bored quite easily. So it's great for me to be very challenged. Um, and I, I like to feel like I make a difference and, I feel that me, my company, our employees, we all make a difference for our clients in terms of helping them to resolve their people issues, um, grow and get bigger through their people and um, and just generally have, have a better working life as a result of having someone that they can turn to to help them with their sort of day-to-day people challenges. So your job and your passion is all about people. And, um, yes. That's, that's what you, you like doing. And it's great to, to meet people who, who love what they do and they love running their own business because there's a, a lot of challenges that come with that as well. But you obviously you love, yeah. love it. Um, I just want to just, just focus a little bit on, 
I guess this whole topic of well-being, mental health that's been surfacing over the last uh, couple of years uh, in in light of not just COVID. I think it's it's been out there well before that as well as as a, as a yeah. challenge. And I there was a, a survey done by a company called Breathe, uh, it's like a HR software sort of provider that uh, said that 68% of business owners have, have seen an increase in the last 18 months of sort of mental health and challenges with anxiety, depression, all sorts in our workplace. I'd just be intrigued to know from your experience uh, with your clients, um, what have you noticed uh, in the last uh, sort of couple of years uh, in the context of that? Yeah, I mean, the same thing. Um, it's, I think that well-being has always been on the agenda of larger businesses and we do lots of work with larger businesses and we see well-being being something that has been some of of great importance for a long time but with the SMEs less so and um, and I think that's largely just because as an SME there's so many pressing priorities and you know a lot of the time those priorities around finance, money, cash flow, um, getting the business in, getting the work delivered. And so there's less capacity or resources to think about employee well-being. In the last couple of years, I think that's really changed. So we've seen a, a real difference in, one, the type of work that new clients want us to do. So them sort of joining us with employee well-being right at the top of their agenda how how do we you know what do we want our culture to look like and how do we build well-being into that culture and then similarly the clients who we've been working with for a really long time not to say they haven't cared about well-being but it's not necessarily been a pressing priority Um, and now it has been it's become so because covid has obviously changed the way that we work lots of employers are now working they perhaps have hybrid workforces um, or people working from home all the time, they're not seeing each other as often. So that changes the sort of well-being dynamic for employees and not necessarily that sort of sense of being a manager. Somebody pops in in the morning, you can they're, they're talking about how, they, how they're feeling or how something, they may have had an argument with their husband right before they came to work or something like that. Getting this general sense of people's personal lives and how things are going. Whereas when they're working from home, they're completely remote, you're coming onto a Teams meet, there's not necessarily that chit chat that that helps us mm. to gauge how people are feeling. Obviously, there's the just general anxiety that is created by the media and all of the stuff mm. around us, and and genuine concerns about health and and how we may be impacted, and you know people wearing masks when they didn't used to, and all of those things that have also ha- affected um, people's sort of mental health and the way they're feeling about things. People feeling much more isolated. So all of that, I think, has contributed to a very different dynamic. Um, And then the other thing that we've had is the great resignation and um, people kind of through the whole period of being furloughed or things things being different in their working environments, thinking, well, actually, I don't have to do what I was doing before. I don't have to to be working really long hours. I don't have to be doing all these commutes or I don't actually want to earn as much money as I used to because I realised that the the balance that I had prior to um, prior to, to COVID was not as good as the balance that I have now, even though I'm earning less. So, you know, change brings up a whole host of things to people and mm-hmm. people think, oh, I'm not going to go back to my job. So now we have employers needing to be thinking about 
how are they going to retain people? How are they going to recruit people, recruit the people who have left and replace them? Um, and then we've also got the fact that people can now work, not everywhere, but a lot of people can work in any potential location. We've got lots of people now who previously had to work, say, based in London. Now they can work in different parts of the country. They can even work outside the country. So, again, they're having to think about how are they competing. If I'm a mm. North Devon-based employer and I'm recruiting a North Devon pool of people, that that's fine. But now my North Devon pool of people can potentially get a job in London and work from home and go up once a quarter. So now I'm competing with mm. different salaries. So the whole kind of landscape has changed, which means employers are really having, even SMEs right down to the smallest ones, are having to think about how do they look after their employees' well, well-being, keep mm. them wanting to work for them and um, and attract new employees who want to work for them. There's so much in what you've said there, and it's it's great to hear that uh, you're noticing a difference in terms of people being more focused about well-being and bringing that to more of the forefront. And, and that's not just a, a COVID thing. Um, mm. what, what do you think the deep sort of rooted motivation for that besides just it's a trendy thing to do or or I'm being pressured by media or what, what, what I suppose what was the, what's the, the deep motivation but also what's a long-lasting motivation to do it what from your perspective mm. well I'm sure that for many of the the organizations who are contacting us it comes from a good place uh, you know a, a sense of we want to do right by our employees and we want them to be happy working for us um but there is there is undoubtedly a wider um, business need there in terms of profit. So there's always going to be the bottom line and and how do we how how are we profitable as an organization? And I think that if we have if we care about our employees' well-being, then they will be more productive because they're happier at work. So and productivity will impact on the bottom line. Um, they'll hopefully be more engaged. And the great thing about engagement is that we get discretionary effort. So we can't really, it's very difficult to get discretionary effort from employees unless they're truly engaged. And um, well-being doesn't necessarily bring engagement, but it is a piece of that puzzle. So if we have greater employee well-being, we have greater engagement, we now have employees who are giving us more than we are asking them to give us and most SMEs spend most of their days trying to solve problems and we often hear this from our clients they say we're the only ones who care about solving problems how do we get the rest of our staff to care about solving problems well they will do that through discretionary effort and we want to care about solving the problems when they're fully engaged so well-being Mm. um just takes you on that journey towards all of your employees being part of um, resolving the issues that are coming up every day. Um, so I think that's I think that's sort of key in terms of that sort of productivity piece. But then we've also got retention, and retention is just so important at the moment. And SMEs feel the um, loss of a good employee much more quickly mm. than a large organisation does. So um, I mean, like for for example, we're, we're tiny compared to some SMEs, but we have just over 20 employees. And if we lose one employee, that impacts on our productivity very, very quickly. Mm. And it impacts on our service delivery because, um, well, we're all HR consultants. We've got one person down. All that has to be absorbed by the team to look after a client. 
Um, it also impacts on the rest of the team's well-being because they're all having to do more until um, you can recruit. Mm. So recruitment in the current market is tough. It takes a long time to to fill fill those roles. Um, and then, of course, when you have filled them, there's all the time it takes to get that person back up and running. So I think that they're the sort of, I think they are the drivers that employees, mm. employers are recognising um, that it's not now just about um, getting bums on seats or people with legs and arms or, you know, whatever whatever <laughs> we used to say. Now it's about actually we need to somewhat convince people to come and work for us and stay working for us. And most of us just want to feel good in what we do. And if we, we're at work a lot, so if we want, if we want to feel good, um, we're going to look to our employers to put some initiatives in place to help that. So there's huge benefits of focusing on well-being. You, know, you talked about obviously productivity, retention, and ultimately that drives our profits, which is obviously what businesses are there to make sustainable profits. Yeah. Um, so, so how would you define well-being in that? It's always like a broad thing, and, and people have different mm. definitions. I'd, I'd yeah. like to understand how you see well-being. So I actually did, I wrote this down before because I, I was sort of like, what is the definition of employee well-being? And, and this is how I define it. So I define it as the overall mental, physical, emotional and economic health of your employees. So it's that kind of, it's almost about that wheel, the balance of, you know, the wheel of life, the balance. It's about those four quadrants. Um, and we as employers are responsible for all of it um, for our employees, but we can contribute to it and people spend a lot of time at work so um the more and the more we can contribute to to benefiting and improving those four quadrants i think the better and what what in terms of responsibility because you, you said that it's not totally the responsibility of the employee mm-hmm. is there an employer responsibility with well-being as well do you think yeah so i mean i think you know, as with everything in life, employee, you know, we all have individual responsibilities for ourselves and, and how we take care of ourselves and look after ourselves. Um, and employers have, you know, I think I think employers just have a responsibility for not making things worse <laughs> for a start. So there's lots of things we can do to make things worse. We can have poor working practices, policies and procedures that don't support people properly. We could have cultures, cultures of bullying and harassment, cultures that aren't inclusive. Um, we can, as managers, not speak to our employees or not care, not not ask them how they're doing or how they're feeling about things. We can not care about their development. There's just a million and one things that we can do at work in our cultures that make things worse for employees. And then we can just be standstill. We can be good enough employers, not make things worse. Um, and... Um, have a working place that is just good enough and people feel okay coming to work mm. and then we can just be better and and if we can do the better things and there's lots of strategies that we can put in place so sort of turning that initial list on its head we have things like um, you know training our managers and making sure that they know how to have difficult conversations with employees and know to do regular meetings with them performance management conversations talk about their development and where do they want to go, their careers, understand what's going on for them in their personal lives because understanding means that you can give support. Um, And we can also, 
how we can also train managers and train staff in what are acceptable practices at workplace in terms of bullying, harassment, um, behaviours that are um, contradictory to what we actually want to be achieving. Um, and so there's just many, many things that we can be doing. We can be looking at our benefits packages and what can we do with those to help employees, even really small employers. And it may be one thing a year. We, we've sort of done that at Fitzgerald HR because we've obviously grown from being tiny to where we are now. And mm. initially we decided that what we could afford to do was offer a lot of holiday. So we offered much more holiday than the statutory mm. um, because we we one of our sort of um, strong values is about work-life balance and people have having the time to do important things with their families and friends and loved ones and their hobbies etc so that was all we could afford to do initially but as we've grown we've, we've been able to introduce other things like um, higher employer pension contributions and employee assistance programs and things like that that um they're not they're not very expensive but they make a big difference to employees mm. so be so I, I kind of think in in answer to your original question we're all responsible but um it's worth it as employers that we take responsibility for what we can do and the differences we can make because obviously it impacts on on um on that ultimate bottom line mm. yeah and it does and I, it's interesting on the on well-being. I think it can be quite an overwhelming uh, topic or an area for an SME to explore and understand. You know, where do they start? How do they go about it? What things they need to do? Uh, I've got to do this. Got to do that. And you just mentioned yeah. something about training managers, benefits, and they're just some some aspects. Yeah. If you were if you were an SME and, and you, you you're an SME yourself, um, how do you get? I guess at, at well-being at the sort of at the heart of the company but also i guess creating a culture of well-being because i guess that makes it important it makes it more uh, more of a thing that will continue be more sustainable as opposed mm. to doing yes giving maybe more holidays is, is, is a real benefit but it is it's come from a, a sense of your who you are as an individual or as a business so how do we mm. get well-being at the center uh, of an organization that it, it's 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 a thing they're thinking about and developing as they go forward Mm. I'm really glad you asked that question um, because I've, I, I I feel quite passionate about this, and I I think it's about what where does where does the people agenda sit in in a business, and and often what I find is you go into the large organisations, the corporates, etc., and there's nearly always someone at sort of board level who um, is a sort of HR director or representing HR. And as you get down into the SMEs, that's le- that's hardly ever so, and and it, I understand why it's not so because it's it's a cost that a lot of SMEs can't afford, um, and, it, and I don't think it's necessary that it's somebody who's who had who is a HR professional, but you're always going to see on that leadership team someone responsible for finance, someone responsible for customer services. And depending on the size, the smaller you are, sometimes someone's responsible for more than mm. one of those. But the bigger they get, you've normally got your sales and marketing, your um, your finance and your customer services. And rarely is there someone championing the people agenda. And I really think that 
it is as simple as identifying who of those will champion the people agenda. It's not about saying we have to recruit HR director or singing mm. dance comes in and does that. That's rarely cost effective. But once you once somebody cares about it and is championing it, it makes all the difference for bringing that forward. And we work with loads of employers who do that. So they've got someone who champions it and we'll help them. So we'll be you know they don't necessarily know how to put together a well-being strategy or what that should look like but we can give them the advice and guidance so and, and there's lots out there as well you can go on to you know, google it and there'll be loads of information mm. loads of strategies and stuff that you can take forward but what i what we always say to to our clients is to start with your people because well-being is um is about them what do you what what do they think you need mm. and this is where you need to make sure you've got an employee voice in the organisation because if you haven't really thought about it, you may not have an employee voice. And there's lots of different ways that you can do that. And the most effective employee voice is by having lots and lots of channels. So just to give you an example of what we do, we have um, a sort of meeting rhythm in the organisation. And one of, one part of it is individual. So we have weekly meet, weekly individual meets, managers with staff which also ha- is followed up by quarterly and that's supported by sort of annual review. Um, so there's opportunities throughout that and there's a different focus in each of those meetings, but there's opportunities throughout that for employees to have a voice and say how they're feeling how, how, and managers to actually show that they care. And then we've also got um, the company agenda. So we have, again, a company meeting, a quarterly company meeting and um weekly company meetings which are the whole teams so again mm. there's an opportunity there for the, vo- the the employee voice to come up we have um we use a software platform called we thrive which is pulse a pulse engagement survey and mm. that's really good because it tells us what employees are thinking and feeling and they can do it anonymously or not so again it's kind of like we the last two that we ran september and december told us that our employees are feeling like they don't have enough headspace so it's just really easy to then to identify a quick, not necessarily a quick win, but we could write a whole well-being strategy and implement all sorts of things. But mm. actually, this is the pain point for our employees. They feel like they don't have headspace. So let's just look immediately at how can we give them headspace and create that headspace. So, so is, that, is that like a, a software that people type in the responses to various questions that are asked? Uh, as yeah. like, is it anonymously, is it? Or is it just... Is it, so is it? You can do both. You can do both. Okay. Some, some of our surveys we do anonymously and some of them we don't because sometimes it's really helpful if there's an individual employee who's, who's struggling and we want to hear their voice and they may mm. not have felt comfortable doing it through any of the other meeting structures. So that's another that's way. Brilliant. I like it. that. Uh, sort of using technology in a way of trying to, I suppose, canvas stuff as on, you say, on, on the pulse right now, as in how are people feeling right now, as opposed to waiting a few months to get some feedback from a survey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do the pulse surveys quarterly, but you can do them even more often if you want to. But we find quarterly is quite sufficient. And what what's great about it is you can immediately see what's going wrong. Like where where are the pain points for our employees? So what are their mm. obstacles? What are their stresses? And how can we remove them? So so if heads giving you the example of headspace, we can and we again talk to your employees because they're the mm. people who can tell you what can improve it. But what we spoke to them through our sort of company meeting structure and what they told us was that 
that the workloads are just too high. So they just can't get the headspace. So we're able mm. to look at workloads. How can we distribute them better? Obviously, we're a growing business. So we're always going to be a bit stretched, but there may be other ways that we can do things. And they gave us loads of good ideas. Um, your employees will be the absolute best people to give you the ideas. So, because this is the thing about strategy, isn't it? It doesn't have to be, in fact, rarely should it be a big, long document that's written and drafted and, <laughs> and tucked away in a drawer. It's, it's an ongoing um, commitment to making change. And the key thing is, as you say, the answers are in the people. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they've highlight, highlighted need of some headspace. And then I facilitated sort of groups where you almost like say, well, how do we get that headspace and use the people in the organisation to come up with the answers? Because I think sometimes leaders and owners feel they have to know the answers to everything. But actually, yeah. you can just ask some questions, some simple questions that can create and canvas all that information. Yeah. And actually, that, A, creates engagement, contribution, and that as another positive thing to well-being because people feel they're yeah. listened to as well and valued. Yeah. And suddenly, you've got this people that are really owning this organisation and contributing and making some real yeah. uh, impact with it as well. Yeah, that's a really good point because – Control is a big factor in well-being. If if we feel out of control um, in any aspect of our lives, that that affects our well-being. So, mm-hmm. for employees to feel asked about things and their their voice to be heard, and um, they that makes them feel in control in in their jobs and helps them then to feel more engaged and, like you say, improve their well-being. I really like the the having somebody to champion the people. I think it's. You know, I work with organisations like yourself, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, which, you know, I always say get to a place where you've got a people strategy of some form, whatever that may be. But it might be owned by the MD, it might be owned by somebody else, but somebody is championing it. Um, and doesn't mean they're an expert, but they're just, there's a focus on the business. So for that person who is championing that sort of people aspect of the business, um, what, what are two things that they need to think about if they were to think about a well-being strategy and I appreciate you can't say that in a few minutes but some things to to think through and to to give somebody uh, some direction of what what think what's important in building a a well-being strategy I mean you've said some things already but what else would you say on that yeah so I think it goes back to the those four quadrants I'd almost start with that so you've got your kind of your physical emotional financial and social um so that, that's where I begin. I, I would say, right, we've got these four things. What can we do in each of these four things to improve the well-being of our employees? We'd then be starting to look at how you're getting their voice and understanding what they're telling you um, that they're, they're looking for and, and needing. Um, and you're probably going to know as well, you're going to have a sense of what are the pain points in the organisation and where are the most frustrations. So um, so that's where I'd begin. And then it's all going to depend on your size and, and what kind of... Um, it's a nice guest budget that you have time and resources um but there's there's quick wins there's things like eaps which aren't very expensive and um a, a, an eap for anyone who doesn't know is an employee assistance program so that's generally like a helpline that you can call mm. and it you normally get a number of counseling sessions and you can get help with your finances um and also sort of general life coach so they often don't cost much more for an SME than sort of £1,000, £2,000 a year or something like that. So it can be quite a quick win and give people a place mm. to go. 
um, I mean, well-being is not just about an EAP, but there may, what I'm saying is I might look at quick wins, like what things could we yeah. do quickly? Because there will be more, there will be other things that are more embedded into the organisation that will take longer to change. And that will mm. be potentially around your culture, your managers um, being upskilled in, mm. in understanding well-being and understanding how to um, support their employees and also, um, you know, your policies and procedures and making sure that they're not just documents that somebody wrote at some time, but actually mm. they are being used effectively to um, to build the culture that you want. Okay, that's some great little pointers there. Great direction for somebody who's starting out on this or needs a bit of a refresh on how to go about it, because I think there's so much out there. That's really helpful. Um Thank you for your time today, Lucy. Uh, I've really appreciated it, really enjoyed and, and your insights you've shared. Um, thank you for that. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? Um, yeah, so you can go to our website, which is um, fitzgeraldhr.co.uk. So lots of information on there. And we've got loads of resources. We've got a knowledge library on there. And we have even got a guide on, um, I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but I think it's called how to um how to draft a well-being strategy or employee well-being strategy so you can Perfect. find that on our um well, on, i'll put that into the show link. notes as well I'll, I'll get a link from your website and put it into the show okay. notes as well yeah good that would be great um and then obviously just yeah um find me on linkedin because it would be great to connect excellent well thank you for your time today lucy really appreciate it yeah you too julian thank you for having me If you like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a consultancy, we help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you'd like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com.